He's up to something. And just because he, he knows what's going on, unfortunately, sometimes he forgets to let us in on what he knows. So what is God up to? So last week, I told you that Gayla one time threw a, a box on my desk. And she said, here, this will give you something to do. And it was a puzzle she bought at a garage sale. And I think it had 250 pieces in it. And the, the top cover was blank, and the bottom cover was blank. They took two bottoms and put it together. The problem was they guaranteed that all the pieces was in it. The problem was I didn't know what I was trying to put together. I didn't know if it was a butterfly or a bulldozer. See, it would help a lot if God would tell you, yeah, I say to you, this is what you're going to become. I say to you, rise, and you'll go to a place called Carter, and there you shall meet a man named Rob, and Rob shall give you $10,000. That hasn't happened yet. <clears throat> I'm glad you used the word Rob instead of me. <clears throat> so we just kind of go through life trying to figure out what God's up to. We know he has a perfect plan, and we know he has a perfect picture, and he guaranteed us that all the pieces was in the box. So last week, we talked about putting, and so I asked the question, in a puzzle, what's the first thing you do, and some of you really got it right, you find the borders. The borders, that's easy. Even a chimp from Frank Buck Zoo can do that. So we put the borders up, and so I gave you three borders, which is very simple. This is, this is, this is kindergarten stuff right here. It's when you get to the middle that's hard. So the borders is easy. So we, we gave you three things last week. One is being justified. One is being sanctified. And one is being glorified. I gave you the definitions of all three, and I was here a long time. These three things are the borders of our Christian walk. These three things. Being justified. Being sanctified. Justified, where we get a word for to set within the margins. Sanctified, it means the process that God is working on us. And glorified basically means he shows us off. That's all that means. God loves to show us off. There's not a, there's not a parent in here or a grandparent in here that doesn't like to show their kids or grandkids off. So what is God up to? Well, first, God wants to show you off. So before he'll show you off, he, he justifies you and he sanctifies you and then he glorifies you. We, we talked about that last week. Because this is the end product where we left you last week. God had already formed his future concerning you before others formed their opinions about you. There's a lot of people who got opinions about you. But I'm going to tell you right now, you just got to tune them people out because they don't know nothing. Some of them still roots for Texas Longhorns. And some of them still roots for Dallas Cowboys, and I don't understand that. <laughs> <clears throat> and then we got the OSU bunch over here. Yeah. They're excited. The idea is that God had already formed a future concerning you. See, God always works in retrospect. He always, the Bible says, he's Alpha Omega. He created the end before he even started the future. That's hard for you to understand. <clears throat> so, before others have formed an opinion about you. So, so, in this process, that this is where sanctification comes in. You can be saved and still be a mess. Sanctification is the process that God is working on you, and when he gets through with you, this is why Jesus talks about in John 17, he said, I glorified you, I showed you off. I demonstrated your power. I gave these people your, your wisdom and your insight. I showed you off, Father. Glorified. So
So later on in a few weeks, we'll, we'll go into a little discussion about this, but I want to finish this from last week. And so God has a future for you. And he had formed a future concerning you long before someone formed their opinions about you. So this will be a little different today. Does anybody here know the fastest horse in history? And the answer is Secretariat. In 1973, a three-year-old stallion won the Triple Crown. Secretariat won three major titles of horse racing. The Kentucky Derby, which was a mile and a quarter. The Preakness Stakes, which was a mile and a quarter. And the last one, the Belmont Stake, which was a mile and a half. And at a mile and a half, he was clocked at 49.2 miles an hour. Now, this is very important. I'm not asking you to pitch in about a church horse race or a racehorse or anything. <laughs> now, the reason why that I, I want to show you this, because it's a true story, but at 49, he set a world record. He's the fastest horse alive. So the question I ask of you this morning is, so what was the factor to his speed? his strength, and his stamina. There's a reason why that he was the fastest horse alive. And, the, and this whole movie is about he, they, he was afraid his heart would bust. That's why if you've never seen this before, you need to watch it. It's a great show. Matter of fact, the lady that's the secretary, her last name is Ham, so I encourage you to watch this show. <laughs> so what was the factor to this horse that said all world records, his speed, his stamina, and his strength. The answer is that his autopsy, he died at 19 years old, and when they did an autopsy of him, an average horse's heart weighed 8.5. His was 22.4. 22.4. He was born with a heart that was three times larger than any other horse. It wasn't enlarged, but the valves and the vessel were all in proportion. True story. So the question is, you're going to ask, <clears throat> what does that have anything to do with me? And I'm glad you asked that this morning. Matter of fact, Audi came out last year with a commercial for their vehicles concerning him. And matter of fact, their slogan and title was, Progress is power within you. Even they understand the concept of this. So they use, they use this, this segment of, of a secretariat to show that the key is, it's progress is power within you. And somewhere, at one point or another, the church is going to figure this out because I tell you, in the last year, we've almost failed at this. And church, many people have failed at this. But it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by your spirit, Lord. That's where your strength comes from. David said, my strength comes from the Lord. See? So the idea of this, so what this has to do with you has everything to do with you. So I'll take about 10 minutes to explain this. This is found... In 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, verse 11 through 13. 
not next week, but the next week. I'll go into a little detail about this. Listen to what the Apostle Paul is saying. The Corinthian church had all the spiritual gifts going on, but boy, they were a mess. My goodness. They had all kinds of corruption, and they, they, were, they had mobs going on, and mob bosses going on, and it was, it, because we have a younger crowd in here, I won't go in detail, but they're Corinthians, and, and, and uh, was not only a noun, but it was a verb as well. Corinthians, you was a verb that means to corrupt you. So Paul says, you Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you, and our heart is enlarged. You are not straightening us, but you're straightening your own bowels. For a recompense in the same that I speak unto my children, that you be also enlarged. So you, you, you say, well, what in the world does that mean? So this is why I make all the big money. So here we go. They're having problems in the church. Imagine that. They thought tongues would help. It only confused it. They thought faith healers would work. It always made a mess. So they tried all the gimmicks. They had pony rides and dog shows and had all this gimmick, had all this stuff. And Paul said, you're in worse condition than you were before the day you met Jesus. And he said, this is the deal. So this is what happens. When we get in rebellion against God, the first thing we want to do is blame somebody. I know you don't. This section over here does. So when their spiritual man begins to, to become deficient, the first thing they want to do is they want to put their bullseye on you-know-who. And everybody knows it's my fault. Everybody knows that. I've had people write letters. Well, I, we're not blaming you for our spiritual deficiency, but... You know, we're leaving the church, we're going somewhere else, but it doesn't mean we're going to change our lifestyle, but we're going to go somewhere else. That makes a lot of sense. So what happens is, Paul said, I'm not your problem. What you have going for you, as far as me as your apostle, I've got an enlarged heart. My heart is big. And as we know the book of Deuteronomy, but man is a trichotomy. He has a, a, a spirit, when he's born again, he has a soul, which is mind, will, emotions, and he has a heart. And that's where God lives. And so the idea of this in three compartments, so Paul says, what you have going for you here, because as you're well aware, know, and read about me, that about six years ago, I'd have just walked in and cut your head off, but I've changed. I'm loving towards you. I'm giving to you, because God is enlarging my heart. Do you want to survive? Don't answer that. Do you want to have stamina in your life? Do you want to have spiritual strength? Please, if you're going to answer, say yes. Well, there's a key to this. You've got to have your heart enlarged. So he said, the problem is not me. The problem is in your own bowel. You are straightened in your own bowel. The word bowel means, it's a word for constriction. It's straightened. It means constricted. It's just spiritually constipated here. I'm not the problem. You've got a bad bow. You're constipated. You've got stuff in you. It's the opposite of John chapter 7, verse 38. He said, out of your innermost beings shall flow, not should flow, but shall flow. And if you heard me say that shall flow, if it's not flowing, then the Holy Spirit is not in you. Let's quit kidding people here. If there's not grace and mercy and kindness flowing out of you, the Holy Spirit is not in you. But if Jesus is in you, it's going to come out. It's kind of like unthawing hot water. Anybody have their hot water pots frozen? So what you do when they're frozen, what you do is you, you, know, you just have to barely 
turn it on. And, and it doesn't come out force at one time. You just barely get it. Well, that's, that's kind of the idea. And then once you kind of get it going, it's a drip. Just leave it drip. Even though it's trying to freeze, it's a drip. And then before long, you got this huge gushing. Watch this. If these things are not, Paul says, I'm not the problem. God has enlarged my heart. I love you in spite of your stupidity. I love you in spite of your failures. I, I love you in spite of your imperfections and all these defects. I love you, but the problem with this church is, not that church, but that church is this, we've got a bowel blockage here. Because they wanted to blame him. And the verses before this will tell you that you'll hear their, you'll hear their, their accusations against him. He said, I'm not the problem. The problem is this, it's your affections, it's your emotions. You have tried to build this church on emotions. Your feelings. Well, I just don't feel like it. Your feelings has nothing to do with your life with Jesus. You understand me? And, 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 I, and I'll, I'll tell you in the nicest way that you've got to get past that. Oh, I just didn't feel like I got anything. Well, you're, you know, you've you got to get past feeling. You have to understand when the Word of God is sown in you, you should have listening ears, and that word is getting past your feelings and your emotions and your mind and your will, and it's getting down there. And the Bible says, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the word of God is alive and it's quick and it's powerful, and it's doing something beneath the surface. You don't understand what's going on. But it's doing something. The seed of God will not return void. It's getting in you. So Paul said, the problem is this. So he said, the problem is this, that you're trying to run a church off your affections and emotions. Now, the problem with this is the Bible says they were all in one accord, homothumadon, and that's not a Honda, but homothumadon means the same mind. I'm telling you, it's almost impossible to have this church for 30-something years and we all be in the same mind because we're not. I'm going to tell you right now, we're not. So what we do is they say this, that God, that you've got to take over what we're not capable of doing. Enlarge my heart. And Paul said the problem with this church, not this church, but the problem with the Corinthian church is this, it, that it is gradually disassembling. Even though you got all the gifts and the tongues and the healings and the singers and the choir, you got all that, but it's coming apart, it's unraveling. And Paul said, here's the problem, is this, is that you're trying to live your life for God out of your own emotions and affections. And you've got to ask God to give you an enlarged heart. Because the Word of God is where the heart is. You see, your, your feelings and emotions is in your mind. But the Word of God is in your heart. Now watch this. And when God's Word is in your heart, then it moves to other areas in your body. I'll prove it. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, verse 23. So my child, pay attention to what I say and listen carefully to my words and don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart for they bring life to those who will find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else because your heart will determine your course of your life. <clears throat> so the question is, without getting to a long, complicated sermon, what made Secretariat so fast, so strong, and he can endure 
as the, the gentleman that owned the other horse said, this is impossible. There's no way he can do this. And for you that was not here last week, that I, I gave them a word that God shows you all, but it's the word, the Apostle Paul used the word, he said that I am a spectacle, not only to heaven and earth, but to men. And the word spectacle was a word called theatron, where we get a word for theater, but it's a place where wagers was made. The Apostle Paul said, what's going on in my life? That not only you're watching me, but heaven's watching me, and hell is watching me. And I'm a, I'm, I'm a spectacle, not a spectator, but a spectacle. I'm in a theatron, and a theatron is where wages are made. And the idea of a theatron was this. Two gladiators walked into an arena, and only one's coming out. That's it. It's not WWF. It's a fight till death. And in this huge, massive crowd that Rome had, within the Colosseum was a place called a, a theatron, and that's where the gamblers went. And so when the gamblers made their way that these two gladiators walked into the arena and they begin to wager and they will say, I will bet this that that one will destroy that one. You see, ladies and gentlemen, the reason why it's so important because hell is betting that you won't make it. Demons are wagering you won't last. Some of your friends are laughing behind your back and said they're just a statistic in the church. They'll fold up like a bad lawn chair. And when you understand this principle, that there are wagers that are being made against you that you won't survive, you won't make it, you won't survive this whole thing, but God said, we've already won. And Paul said, I'm the spectacle. There's wagers being made in my life. And this is the idea is this, that all these things and people and accusations and opinions are looking at you saying, you'll never last, you'll never survive, your heart will bust, you, you'll, you, you'll never have the stamina to continue. But when we understand where our true strength comes from, it comes from God. And we can do the impossible. The word impossible is I am possible. We can do the possible. So this morning, I told this story a long time ago, but, but when I was playing a little bit of golf, uh, there was a, a group out there that were called the gamblers. They were all the scratch golfers and blah, blah, blah. And they all, it, it's a long story. You don't need to know. But I didn't play golf with them. I didn't play golf with them. I mean, they knew me and they respected me and I didn't, I didn't play in their tournaments really because I had missed Sunday. So, but I chose to play with my wife and my father and we had a great time, but they knew I could play golf. And every time we got the chance to play some of them, we'd just spank them really good. And, but uh, so one time they had a, they had a, a golf shootout and I told this a long time ago, and I'm not saying to be bragging. I won it three years in a row, and then they quit it. And, uh, but you had to hit about 156 yards over some water. A lot of people there, some news camera. I missed it about 21 inches one time for a million bucks. I know. I think Danny was there that day. But the second year, the second year, we was on a different tee box, and, and the guys that were, were playing or had entered, a bunch of them was behind me. 
And I was really pretty nervous. Anytime a camera's involved and radio people and two, three hundred people's there and you have to hit over water, I mean, it's kind of unnerving a little bit. And when I walked up there, you know, I was just kind of a little nervous a little bit. And I can't tell you I was praying because I might have prayed, but I doubt it. I mean, what do you ask for? I mean, I don't know. And so I walked up there and, and there wasn't really anything really close because it's kind of like hitting the ball from here to Clinko, about 155, 160. And I sat there for a minute and was thinking about it. And I, I said this. But, but they had all their golf carts behind me. And they were no farther from here to Brother John. And I was sitting there, and I was looking at that flag like I was trying to slay it like a dragon. And then I heard the chatter behind me. And, uh, and I'm not going to call any names, but I heard somebody say, said this, I got 50, he won't hit the green. And I never flinched. And somebody said, I've got 100, says he won't get within 10 feet. And I almost wanted to turn around and said, I'll take that bet. But before long, I had people betting against me. And I'm not even part of this thing. They have nothing to do with my golf shot. They're, they're making side bets against me. And then one smart one says, I'll take 100. He wins it. And I thought to myself, I'll take that bet. But I didn't. I walked up there and hit it about three feet. And I won the thing. I'm telling you this, I'm not a great golfer, but something changed my life when I realized people were betting against me. Instead of coming here crying to me and crying to this church, well, somebody's talking bad about me at work. Well, congratulations, grow up. How's the fluff and stuff? Do oh, you're so wonderful. You are so good. We're glad you're here. Oh, you are really, 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 really made a big sacrifice to be here. How'd that work for you? How's that working for you? To be carried around and fluff and stuff and cotton balls? So every once in a while, God allows certain things in your life to happen to you. That you come to this realization, God, if you don't do something in my life, I won't make it. For my heart desire for you is that God would give you an enlarged heart. An enlarged heart that you won't try to live your Christian life on affections and emotions. How many of you ever got emotionally involved and somebody hurt your feelings? And this is what I'm asking you to do. Don't treat this church or your, your, your commitment to Christ according to your affections and your emotions. Your emotions. Let the word of God, remember what Proverbs says? Guard your heart above all. Because your heart will determine the course of your life. He didn't say your brains, your wit, your smart one, your smartness, your financial status, your income tax, how pretty you are, all that will fade but it's your heart. And the way we work this heart business that every time we come in here and we receive the Word of God, the Word of God goes past our brain. It goes past our emotions. It gets into our heart. And there it takes seat and residence in our life. And then when our body and our mind gets to a place they've never been before, watch what happens. 
the King James says, out of it is the issues, forces of life. The heart says this, don't respond. Don't overreact. Don't fold. Let God continue to give you a larger heart. And before long, you're living your Christian life and your walk with Jesus, not on what you feel and what you think. It's what your heart says. So that's why it's so important to come in here and let the Word of God be sown into your life that you'll quit trying to live a successful Christian life on your emotions. That God, like Secretary, will give you an enlarged heart and it'll grow and grow and it will determine your course of life. For some of you that have been around here for a long time, we've had this church about 31 and 32 years, and I will tell you, I mean, I'm very thankful to have every one of you, but I will tell you, if, if God had not given us an enlarged heart for one another, we'd have killed one another 30 years ago. But don't you see, it's God. It's God. So, Father, this morning, here's the key for some of my young parishioners in this church that is just out of the gate. It's, it's not necessarily their, their thought pattern and it's, it's not their emotions. The key to their speed and their strength and their stamina on their Christian journey is, is to be like secretariat. I just need a bigger heart. I just need a heart that's full of you. And what you did for Gail and I 25 and 30 years ago, I'm so appreciative. But, but this has been a new day. This has been a new challenges. These are new times. These, these are new situations. I just need a bigger heart. Would you enlarge my heart? My problem is, is not with these people. My problem is not with, with government. I've allowed my Christian life to be dependent by emotions, and I've got myself in a mess. Father, we just, we're going to go back to the basics. Would you just enlarge our heart? Enlarge it with you. Your grace and your goodness. And I just pray that you'll begin to, to pump your life and your spirit into our veins and we become strong. And the people said that you'll never make it or survive, that we're making it and we're overcomers. It's all because of you. So whatever that you're up to and whatever that you're doing and you've thrown a, a puzzle in front of us to put it together, we understood the, bo the borders, but the middle pieces, we're having trouble with it, but here's a middle piece. We need you. We need you. And we need you to enlarge our hearts. And as you enlarge our heart, the more that we can receive of God. We pray for healing as we did this morning. We pray for those that are in the balance of life and death. We speak life. We pray for homes that are under attack. We, we, we just pray for healing for that marriage. We pray for people right now that may be sick and they're afraid to say anything about it. The Lord is, is our healer. But above all else, ladies and gentlemen, guard your heart. Guard it.
protect it because it will determine the outcome of your race. Stand with me this morning, please. I like what this trainer said to this horse before they turned him loose. He said, run your race. She said, just run your race. They've been so afraid of a, him collapsing on, on the racetrack for, for two years. So finally they get to the point and just say, just run. And this is what I say to you. Just run your race. Turn God loose in you. Cut the ties and the anchors of guilt and shame and all these things. Run your race. And let God empower you and let God fill you. Let God enlarge your heart. Oh. And so, Father, this morning we just give you thanks for all that you're doing. Thank you for you're doing some things that we're not even aware of. You're putting money in our spiritual wallet while we're asleep at night. We had no idea we had that currency. Because you're up to something. And this is what you're up to. Not only did you save us and justify us, and not only are you sanctifying us, that you really want to show us off. Thank you for all that you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. God is good, is he not? Communion servers, if you'll please come this morning. An enlarged heart. I said this kind of jokingly one time. What a sad statement David made. He said this, my cup runs over. I tell you what, when God begins to give you more and it begins to spill out, get you a bigger cup. And this is the deal. If, if, if you don't want any more, I'll take what you don't want. I just want God to enlarge my heart for the days to come because I'm going to need Him. We've been lied to. We've been lied about. False accusations. Hell itself has done His very best to destroy our reputation and our mind, our emotions. He's done everything He can to stop you. He's wagered against you. But here's some inside information. I bet you're going to make it. I bet you're going to overcome. I bet you're going to win this thing. I bet you're going to fight all odds. I bet you're more than a conqueror through Christ who loves you. I'll bet greater is he that's in you than he that's coming against you. How about that one? I'll bet you that if God be for you, who can be against you? I'm going to say that no weapon that's formed against you is going to prosper what I'm going to tell you. And what I'm doing here is I'm just enlarging your heart of the Word of God. That night Jesus sat with His disciples and He took the bread and the cup. and He lifted up the bread and He said, This is my body broken for you. Your broken dreams, your broken lives, your broken hearts, your broken marriages, just your brokenness. Jesus became broken for us that we could be whole. He took the cup and lifted it up and he, he said, this, 
This ordinance that you've been celebrating for 1,500 years of taking the Lamb's blood upon the doorpost in the shape of a cross. But now then, it's the New Testament Lamb. It's the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. The blood of Christ will be taken and shed in the shape of a cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And here's the good news. And as often as you take this bread, and as often as you drink this cup, it will remind you of me. So this morning, if you're hurting, if you're stumbling, if you're wounded, if you're trapped by your emotions, congratulations. God wants to enlarge your heart and fill it with His goodness. Bless this cup, bless this bread. In Jesus' name, amen.